Entrepreneur on Fire 475. If you're prepared to ignite, there's only one place to go. Entrepreneur on Fire with your host, John Lee Dumas. With 98% iTunes upload approval rate and over 50,000 apps uploaded to date, Business Apps is the mobile app creation industry leader you can trust. Visit businessapps.com. That's B-I-Z-N-E-S-S apps.com to create your free account today. Besides fear and lack of confidence, design projects are what I see hold entrepreneurs back most. Luckily, 99designs can help. Visit 99designs.com slash fire and get a $99 power pack of services for free. Okay, Fire Nation, let's get started. I am simply thrilled to introduce my guest today, Tim Nibo. Tim, are you prepared to ignite... Yes, I am, John. Yes, I am. All right. Since graduation in 2010, Tim founded two international companies while living in China, and his goal is to help others do the same. His expertise lies in import-export and product development. I've given our listeners just a little overview, Tim, so take a minute. Tell us about you personally, because we want to get to know you, then give us an overview of your business. All right, John. Thanks. I want to say thanks for having me on the show. I'm excited. Yeah. So I'm originally from Seattle, Washington, and I guess my journey begins back there about four years ago. Uh, I graduated university, and the summer right after graduation, about a month and a half, I uh, moved to China. Um, Couldn't speak any language, couldn't use chopsticks, uh, had never been here, (laughs) Um, and that's where it really started. That's where it started, and I guess you could say it couldn't have been more at a basement level. Uh, Just kind of threw myself into the fire uh, with the whole you know, mindset of what can I make happen? I want to make something happen. China seemed like the place to do it. Uh, at the time, the economy back in the States wasn't doing too hot, and China was exploding. Um, always having wanted to be an entrepreneur, this seemed like a fantastic place to start. And I've always kind of tried to live by the notion that you never know. You never know what's going to happen. Um, and that's really, I think, the center line of my story just because there have been so many speed bumps along the road, so many twists and turns um, from where I started to where we've ended up. Um, and that, that's really what we try and live by, that you, know, you never know if you don't do it. So you just got to get, get out there and uh, make things happen. So, Tim, you decided on China, and you know, that's a pretty broad decision. Can you share how you actually narrowed down where in China you were going to live? Because, I mean, we're talking about a mammoth country here. Okay, so yeah, so our, our thinking went kind of, we were searching out opportunities, and we wanted, we wanted to create products. Um, and knowing China, I don't know how many of the listeners know a lot about China, but of course you've got Shanghai and Beijing. Those are your big two cities. But down in the south is where most of the products are made, and we figured there would be a lot less competition if we were ever going to do business in China. Um, so that seemed like a, a perfect choice for what we were looking for, which is really something really out of the ordinary, um, something that would be you know, left field, if you could say, and really get us out of our shell. Because at the time, you know, being 22-year-olds, that's one thing that we really needed was to get out on our own, see just you know, who we were what we can make happen and really um, get, a, 
get as far away from home, I guess you could also say. (laughs) Well, Tim, I love where this story is going because Fire Nation, check it out. Here you have Tim, just a guy who's like, you know what? The American economy isn't awesome right now. Let's try something different. Let's go outside of the box. Let's just get over to China. Let's go over there and and kind of mix things up and you know make some mistakes and make some successes and just have some fun overall and see what happens. And that's what we're going to dive into, Tim. But before we do, as you know, being a Fire Nation listener, we always start off with a success quote. So take it away. We love this one. Uh, me and my roommate, uh, he's also my business partner. We have it on the hanging on the wall with a Ooh. photo that we're chasing. And it's called, if you have a goal, be relentless in your pursuit. Um, and that's something that we try and remind ourselves every single day. You've got something. You've got to work towards that goal every day, no matter what happens. So what's an example of a time you've actually applied that in your life, Tim? Every single day that I live over here in China, basically. <laughs> Relentless, I, baby. Yeah, relentless. Things will beat you down over here, especially living in a culture that's so unlike your own. Um, we, call these, we call them actually China days, where certain things just tend to go wrong. Um, your factory, for some reason, produces a thousand, san- or a thousand products, and they're blatantly wrong. Like they couldn't have messed up. That pushes you back a month to two months um, of trying to roll out this product line. And you just got to step back and go, hey, there's always a solution to the problem. Where's that solution? So you just got to be relentless in basically anything you're doing over here. Relentless. I love that. And Tim, every single culture has its nuances. Share with us right now just one nuance that you had no idea, you did not expect was going to crop up that really has affected you in either a very positive or very negative way? I like that question. Let's go with something I do bring up to a lot of people when I'm talking to people that haven't spent time over here. Um, And one of the interesting things is that we preach a lot on our blog and whenever we're talking to others is in this globalized world, the way that it's trending is that you know everyone is working from everywhere you know that more than anybody um these economies are acting with these economies and the scary thing is that we found out over here a lot of times in the asian cultures is they know so much more about us and the culture that we are building and what we do than we know about them and they're building you know obviously the second largest economy in the world they're building towards a ton of things and a lot of people don't know a lot about them and what they're doing Um, And I think that's something interesting that a lot of people don't really think about um, where the world's going and such uh, that I think it should be something that people should start paying attention to. And so to drill down even further from that, like what's something about the Chinese culture specifically, like your interactions with them that really surprised you at first and, and now maybe you're used to it, but it's just not what you expected when you first arrived? Tell you the truth, I didn't know really what I was expecting when I arrived. <laughs> I would say on the downside, because I mean, the upside, they're extremely amazing people, uh, super nice, super helpful uh, on the most part for especially foreigners living here in the country. Um, on the downside, things that I really didn't expect were uh, pr- a lot of problem solving skills. And I deal with that a lot of times with my employees and uh, with our customers here. Um, just a lack of that problem solving skills and it's dialed right down into the education system. Um, you know, they're taught the mathematics, heavily mathematics, heavily physics, heavily, heavily follow these rules. Unlike what we're taught, um, a lot of creativity, a lot of think outside the box, mathematical problems that we deal with, um, is left out here. 
And so that can kind of get frustrating when you're trying to, you know, work with your employees, hoping that they can solve those simple problems um, can be kind of frustrating. That can be definitely frustrating. And it's fascinating to really learn that it is that kind of educational shift that has really developed a different kind of worker, a different type of mindset. And really good for the listeners to realize when, you know, you're thinking about going outside of America and where you're going to put roots, you know, these are things you need to be thinking about before you actually hit that launch button. And Tim, let's kind of turn the spotlight to you now because, listen, you're our spotlighted guest today and we want to really focus on your journey. And you have really taken an aggressive entrepreneurial journey. I mean, courage has taken a lot of just focus on your part to do what you've done to make that move from Seattle to Southern China and to have this now business that you're running it's had its ups, it's had its downs. Let's really talk about a story right now. Take us down to that ground level of a time that you just failed, of a time that you fell flat in your face, and share with us those lessons you learned from that. Okay, well, uh, yeah, for all the listeners, my uh, my bread and butter business here in China has been uh, importing American wines. Oh. Um, we import uh, basically the largest wineries in Washington, Oregon, into China, and we started that back in 2000, early 2011. And man, talk about falling in your face. We we thought we understood what we were getting into, and we it was a big time swing in the miss the way we went about it. Uh, no regrets looking back on it. You know, it's just one of those things that you find out as an entrepreneur. You always think you know a lot more than you actually do, and you never realize how less you actually knew. Or how little you knew until you way ahead in the future. But um, the story goes that we actually, you know, took loans. I put all of our money in to bring over loads of wine, um, and we thought that was the best and smartest way to do it to kind of build our own brand, um, get all of the early market entry because at the time those wines weren't represented here, um, those regions. And so we wanted to lock down the high or the most notable wineries in the regions bring them over here. That would be our brand. Build it out from there. Um, penetrating the first tier cities was decently easy for five-star hotels, high-end restaurants, um, high-end Chinese clients, but actually becoming a distributor in China, which is what you're going for, um, something that you can you know, make actually work without you being the face of the organization, that didn't work at all. Um, and it makes sense now that you look at it, look, look at it, you know, when people are setting up massive distribution systems in China, those should be the Chinese people that know this economy to the T. They've done it. They already have distribution systems. All they need to do is plug you in. Um, and when they want to do that, they want to go direct to the source. They don't need you bringing it over here for them because chances are they can probably get lower taxes and everything go by smoother for them anyway. Uh, and so that was a bread and butter when we realized that, when we could actually just broker the arrangements between these Chinese buyers and the wineries in the States, um, that's when it started to click and that's when it started to work and we could actually move volume. All right. So this is fascinating, Tim. Let's take a step back here because I really want to focus on a couple key things. First and okay. foremost, this idea came to you guys. Were you still in Seattle about importing wine into Southern China? No, not at all. We were, we've been in China for a little under a year at the time. Okay, so you'd already been in China. This idea came to import wines. And had you realized at this point, having lived in China for a year, that wine was something that the Chinese do consume on a very regular basis? 
Yeah, so that came to us because we had been getting numerous questions from people here on the ground mm-hmm. about American wine, and American wine actually hit big this year. Um, they were, it, you know, France was huge. Uh, France and Italy and Europe was huge. Um, a few years ago, people were still like, what's American wine? What's American wine? But we always kind of knew it was going to come to the forefront because it always has and markets all over the world. And finally, this year, it uh, made big market gains, um, which was exciting to see. Okay, so this is really fascinating. I think this is incredibly valuable for Fire Nation to hear how Tim and his business partner went about this. They didn't just concoct this idea while in Seattle, having no idea really what the Chinese culture was like. They, they moved. They made a move, and they said, you know what? We're going to keep our ears and our eyes open, and we're going to see what's going on on the ground in China. And they realized, hey, this is something the Chinese people drink a lot of wine from Europe. Maybe the American wines will make a hit. So they started to make some inroads there, import massive amounts of wine, and start to try to affect deals around China. And then as you moved forward, Tim, you said you realized it was actually more beneficial, more scalable, and more leverageable for you just to become a broker of wines, kind of that middleman that was really affecting all of these transactions, and that became more powerful. So let's kind of focus on that point now that we're really caught up about how you got to this point, how you changed your business model and moved forward. Yeah, so you know we're still holding some of the wines in storage that we brought over when did we stop bringing it over? I think we stopped. We brought our last shipment over at the beginning, maybe the spring of this year. Okay. Um, but, you know, that's fine for us. And when you're talking a shipment, what are you talking numbers-wise? We're talking over 1,000 cases. Wow. And how much is in per case? Uh, 12 bottles. 12 bottles. So you're talking over around twelve to 15,000 bottles of wine you brought over in the springtime. Yeah. Yeah. But this that was just in the springtime. Right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uh, so yeah, so I mean that stuff had like, we're super happy cause we don't know what we would do without wine there. Cause that's our networking tool. Um, that gets us private dinners that we do with the banks here. We would walk into banks, ask to see, uh, the head of the bank. Um, and we promote a VIP experience that we offer that they can offer to their VIP customers. And so it gives them, uh, a great gift to give their VIP customers. They get to come and network and, do like a little American wine tasting with foreigners and it gives us a way to get um, all the business cards um, on their VIP list. So that allows us to build our network here um, and meet people in the wine industry um, that allowed us to start brokering arrangements. Okay. So this is really fascinating stuff because Fire Nation, these guys were on the ground. They were seeing what was happening. They realized that, you know what, we're going to try this minimally viable product. We're going to actually import some wines, check things out. They pivoted on the move as they developed more with their understanding, with their interactions, and their business is continuing to develop. And it's just this beautiful lean startup Eric Reese model where Tim's an agile guy. He can make a pivot. He didn't 100% commit himself to one road, but instead he's learning as he goes and pivoting and adjusting as the market is telling him to do so. So incredibly valuable stuff. And obviously, Tim, a huge aha moment for the two of you guys was that situation of becoming brokers and really creating these amazing experiences for the VIPs of banks and other corporations within China. Share with us a massive aha moment that you've had on some level throughout your journey that you can really tell us 
that full story with, just like you told, told us that story with the failure, tell us that light bulb that went off. And most importantly, the steps that you took, Tim, to turn that light bulb moment into a success. It starts with the basics. And I think that's one of the things that I missed really when I was starting out was you, you start out, and every, all the entrepreneurs out there know, you start out with awesome excitement. Yeah. You're super excited. You got your goals listed down on your paper. This is what you want to achieve. This is where you're going to go. But you got to remember the day in and day out, small things are what actually make those large things happen. Uh, and that's what I mean with the wine. And I mean, we just launched uh, that. We just had our successful Kickstarter campaign and uh, a few months back. Um, and I think we can talk about that when sure. it comes to the, the aha moment. Uh, our first business and the reason we came to China was to develop products. Um, but we, we started realizing we were doing iPad cases back in uh, early 2010. And uh, we realized we had, this was the first product we'd ever tried to manufacture. And we were trying to do that and the SEO at the time. And it was the first time we'd done both of those. We didn't really know what was going on. So we got out of that. Recently, we got back in because we had been following product development. We'd been following a lot of people over here that had been sourcing. We had been following Kickstarter, and we've been following all the successful trends that were happening on Kickstarter. And so, I don't know, that's been three years now. That allowed us to come into the market of product development, know exactly what we were doing, and to execute on that perfectly, the game plan, everything that was drawn out. Unlike what we did the first time where we shot for a big goal, both with that and how we did wine in the beginning. We just shot for a big goal, not realizing you could do this lean startup model, do the day in, day out actions. And then when you are prepared for it, hit the, hit the ball out of the park. Um, you know, it's awesome looking back on it now, three years later, um, knowing that the businesses we're starting now have a million times more success rate than what we were starting back then. Um, and I think that's the aha moment is it took, it takes you that experience to realize that it is those small time things that make all the difference when you're starting these companies. So Tim, really boil it down for Fire Nation in just one sentence. What's the clearest lesson that you've learned thus far from your experience with these failures, with these aha moments, with these light bulbs? Break it down for us. If you have the power to do every day things that you know other people don't have the power to do, then you're going to make it really, really far. To elaborate on that, I know starting these like uh, product development things, we always have to set up social media marketing plans, right? And you'll see other people that are starting business, they're all excited. They're getting Facebook launched. They're getting Twitter launched. It's like, you're excited now. But if you're doing this four months from now, the same that you're doing it today, you're going to be crushing it. Just like you did with Entrepreneurship on Fire. Everyday content all the time, all the time, and you stick with it, that makes all the difference. So many people start, not so many people finish. That's the difference. Tim, I cannot agree more with that sentiment. I mean, it's that consistency. It's that drive to be delivering to your customers, to your audience on a regular basis. And you know, one thing that we always talk about here at Entrepreneur on Fire is that focus, Tim, that following one course until success and not getting distracted by that bright, shiny object syndrome that doesn't allow you to just be better at the basics, be better at your core. So I love that message that you're sending, Tim, and share with Fire Nation your proudest entrepreneurial moment. 
that has to be landing our big time broker here in China now. Nice. Uh, we start we started small, um, but he actually has taken over control of our biggest brands and allowed us way more hands off um, to, uh, like I said, start another business. Um, have one of us full-time on dealing and building that relationship. But, yeah, we were able to land one of the largest distributors here in China um, and some wineries that we never thought we would be able to work with. Um, we now represent exclusively here. Exclusively. Um, I love that word. Exclusively, yeah, <laughs> in China. So that's pretty, that, was, that was a pretty cool thing that happened earlier this year. Wow. So, Tim, let's bring things to present times. Let's bring things to today because, man, you obviously have a lot of exciting things going on. Share with Fire Nation one thing that's just really exciting you today. Our product development side of the company. Um, so we just launched Stone Watches on Kickstarter. Uh, it did fantastic, but it didn't do as well as we had hoped. Um, but that goes back again to things that you learn, um, things that you learn day in, day out. Uh, that will be, make the next launch so much more successful. So we're going to develop this line. Uh, it's kind of cool for us because for the last three years, we've been bringing things here into China, which, like I said, we can be more hands-off. Now this is our diving full head first into bringing things out of China um, and developing a product that you're hands-on with, that you actually can control. And it's a really cool feeling to be developing a product that you look at and you go, wow, that's really cool. I can't wait to sell this. Um, and so that's present day. That's what we're working on, crushing on right now, day in, day out, um, is getting this full e-commerce system set up um, and ready to rock for 2014. And what's your vision for the future? Develop products. Like I said, we've, we've got a very interesting, well, kind of like you, we have an inner, inner China, um, dot co community where Inter, uh, entrepreneurs here in China um, network with each other, uh, help each other out because in China it's all about who you know. Yeah. Um, like I said, if I could have met any kind of entrepreneurs here uh, when I moved out here four years ago, it would have changed everything. Um, so we got that going just so people could kind of meet each other. And uh, this year, we the company or the projects inside Inner China uh, members in there raised almost a million dollars on Kickstarter. So. Wow. Product development is happening big time over here in China is because people can, you know, follow the trends, easily, easily develop a minimum viable product, that, a product that they've always wanted to create, and then really launch it with a big time bang uh, when you're looking at all these crowdfunding sites. Now, are you a fan and members of Dan and Ian's Tropical MBA Dynamite Circle? Oh, yeah. Been <laughs> big time followers, been a member in Dynamite Circle since 2011, I believe. Yeah, I mean, for anybody that's going to be in that part of the world, Dynamite Circle is an incredible mastermind to be a part of. So definitely check that out, guys. Dan and Ian are good friends of mine. And you can just go to Dynamite Circle, Google that. You'll find it. It's an incredible mastermind for any entrepreneur that's in that part of the world and really any part of the world. I mean, I love Dynamite Circle and here I am in San Diego. So it's great stuff. And Tim, we're going to take a minute to thank our sponsors. There are several things that hold us back from becoming an entrepreneur. After doing over 450 interviews with today's most inspiring and successful entrepreneurs, I can tell you that by far, the number one thing holding people back is fear. 
Fear is followed by several other factors, lack of confidence, not knowing where to start. But in my personal experience, something that I see holding people back every single day from launching their podcast or website or business is design. Don't get me wrong. Design is very important for your business. Your design is oftentimes people's first impression of your business. It shouldn't be something that holds you back from launching that podcast or website. It's something that you can get started on today. At 99designs, you'll have several professional designs to choose from within just a few days of requesting your design. Visit 99designs.com slash fire to start your design project today and get a $99 power pack of services free. Looking for a company you can trust to have your back as a mobile app reseller? How about one that has a 98% iTunes upload approval rate and over 50,000 apps uploaded to date? That's right. Business Apps is the industry leader in creating mobile apps for businesses. I'm talking fully customizable themes for every industry from restaurants to realtors. Best part, the entire platform is completely white label. That means you have total brand control. And with their drag and drop intuitive interface, you can design and format until your heart's content. Now, thanks to business apps, you can deliver better solutions to your clients, making it easier for their customers to do business with them. And that's what it's really all about, right? Happy customers, happy client, happy you. If you want to learn more about what business apps can offer you as an app reseller, visit businessapps.com. That's B-I-Z-N-E-S-S apps.com to create your free account today. And Tim, this is just a perfect segue to what my favorite part of the interview is, and that's the lightning rounds, because this is where I get to ask you a series of questions, and you come back at us Fire Nation style with amazing and mind-blowing answers. Sound like a plan? Boom, let's do it. (laughs) What was holding you back from becoming an entrepreneur? Holding me back was I didn't ever really figure out what I wanted to do. Um, You know, I got started, I guess you could say, kind of early, but what was really holding me back in the beginning of just being when I was being an entrepreneur because I graduated and just moved over here was I I didn't really know what I was doing. Um, I thought I did, but I didn't. And like you just said about the dynamite circle and all these masterminds that beginning entrepreneurs really need to understand is when experienced entrepreneurs say get close to people that know what they're doing, um, it's worth paying for, listen to what they're saying, that is 100% true and please, please take that advice. Uh, get close to people that are doing what you want to do and really, really use their experience to propel yours. Um, that's really, I would say, was our biggest hindrance in the first year or so of our business was thinking we knew things that we didn't. Great advice. And what is the best advice, Tim, that you've ever received? You're never going to know if you don't do it. Uh, my dad always used to say that, and it's 100% true. Um, it's so cliche, but I mean, in a world that is so global, uh, that is amazing, amazing things are happening in this world. Amazing people are working with others that they never thought they would ever work with before. People are tapping into markets that you couldn't even five years ago. And you got to get out there. If you're not going to get out there in this day and age, I mean, it's, I think it's just a pity because I mean, look at the people that didn't ever have these kind of opportunities that you have to, and all you have to do is get out there and do something, go chase something down, go chase your dreams. Um, nothing has ever been more in front of you than it is now. 
I mean, we are so blessed, Tim, to live in the time that we are. I mean, here you are in China, your roommate's right next to you sleeping. We're talking on a great audio connection over Skype for a podcast that's going to be transmitted to literally the world, 145 countries, over half a million unique downloads in a month. I mean, this is the craziness of the world that we now live in. Oh, it's fantastic stuff. So many people, so many young entrepreneurs are doing awesome things in the world. And yeah, oh, we get all this question all the time on our blog. What can I do? What's the first step? And I mean, you just got to do something. I mean, there's so many things to do. Like you said, pick one. Pick one that you're really, really excited about. And that might not be where you're going to end up, but that will, that will get you started on a pretty cool journey. It's so true. There are so many small niches right there that are just begging for somebody to focus, to dominate it. And that's where you can make your mark. That's where you can build your audience. And then, Tim, you can pivot. Then you can shift. Then the world is your oyster. Exactly. Perfectly said. Tim, can you share one of your personal habits that you believe contributes to your success? Reading, I think, is the biggest tool in in my tool belt. I... Uh, work with a lot of guys over here, a large team, and that sets you apart. I mean, it gives being a visionary and like the visionary head guy of the company, you're in charge of developing ideas, um, developing where the company should go, uh, bringing new ideas to the table. And to tell you the truth, almost all of those ideas I get are spurned and all my creative thoughts are spurned from reading. Um, I try and stick to a rule of 10 pages every day. Um, And like I said back, I don't know, a few minutes ago when we were talking about what's that habit, if you can do things and stick to them, if you can read 10 pages a day, that is going to make you read a lot of books. Absolutely. In this day and age, Tim, I mean, with audible.com, with audiobooks.com, you can get great audio and you have no excuse. You can be at the gym, working out, multitasking, consuming incredible content. Knock those two things out at once. Get your 10 pages in and get your audio and get your cardio workout in and you can really stay sharp as an entrepreneur in every facet. Oh, I mean, you're just missing if you're just not taking advantage of what everybody else has learned and they're willing to tell you. I mean, it's awesome. Love it. Tim, do you have an internet resource like an Evernote that you're just in love with that you can share with our listeners? Yeah, actually, I was thinking about this. Uh, I want to do a little different one because I am coming at you guys from China. And living abroad, the way I talk to all of my friends back home, the way I communicate with my family when I'm not on Skype is through WeChat. Uh, WeChat is like an app like WhatsApp. Um, In my opinion, it's way better. It's owned by Tencent. Uh, You can download it on iPhone or Android, anything, um, but it's fantastic to communicate with anyone, anywhere in the the world. I barely ever use messaging or SMS anymore. Um, But yeah, big time, WeChat, it's an app. Well, Fire Nation, you can find the links to this resource and everything that Tim and I are chatting about today at eofire.com slash Tim. Nibo. And Tim, if you could recommend just one book for our listeners, and I know this would be difficult because you're an avid reader, but just one book, what would it be? Yeah, it's uh, The Slight Edge by Jeff Olson. Uh, it's a short book, quick read. You can do it in a day, but uh, it talks about the daily habits. That That's what separates people. And that was the, one of the first books I read back in college that got me kind of burning with fire to be an entrepreneur. 
Tim, when we started this interview, I knew that we were brothers from another mother because whenever I'm interviewed on other podcasts, that is one of two books that I recommend. The second one being The Compound Effect by Darren Hardy. And that was fantastic book. Fantastic book. And that book was inspired by The Slight Edge. Uh, Jeff Olson was Darren Hardy's mentor. So it's a great book, guys. Read The Slight Edge first, go into The Compound Effect, and you'll realize what Tim is saying. It's the little things that matter. Every single day, if you're doing the little things right, that slight edge that you're given, that compound effect that builds up and multiplies on top of itself turns into huge things. Just me doing one interview every single day has now turned into a business that's generating six figures a month. And when I started day one, I knew there was no way I was going to monetize at any point soon, and I didn't. But when I did, it was in a big way because of that slight edge. And now I have all of that building behind me, and that's exactly what Tim's doing out in China as well. And Fire Nation, I know you love audio, and we already talked about audiobooks and their power. But if you want to get one of these two books for free, go to eofirebook.com. That's eofirebook.com. Com. And Tim, this next question is the last of the lightning rounds, but it's a doozy. Imagine you woke up tomorrow morning in a brand new world, identical to Earth, but you knew no one. You still have all the experience and knowledge you currently have, your food and shelter taken care of, but all you have is a laptop and $500. What would you do in the next seven days? I absolutely love this question. Uh, it reminds me of getting here in China. Yeah. It was a 100% <laughs> different world, and I've definitely been here in China with that much money. <laughs> so, uh, the most important thing for being in a new place like that, 100% is networking. Uh, go straight to the bar, uh, preferably uh, the most popular bar in town, camp out for the day, see who you meet. Um, that's actually how I got my first apartment here was the person I met there actually helped us get an apartment um, and introduced us to where I got my first job. So that's what I would do for the first seven days. Nothing but networking, having fun, um, seeing who who knew who and kind of going down the grapevine um, so I can kind of get the ropes on the whole environment situation. (laughs) But I wouldn't really need a laptop uh, when it first started. Love that. I mean, so again, similar to my answer when I said, you know what, I'm just going to throw a party with free booze and free food. I'm going to invite everybody that I can over that has any entrepreneurial bone in their body. And let's just network and let's just connect. (laughs) And Tim, I have truly enjoyed your journey and the stories that you shared really make me want to pick myself up from sunny San Diego and move over to the Eastern Hemisphere. Don't get too ambitious. (laughs) (laughs) Give Fire Nation one parting piece of guidance. Share the best way that we can find you, and then we'll say goodbye. 2014 is going to be an epic year. Uh, It's super exciting. We're ready to crush it. Um, Yeah, find us over at theelevatorlife.com. Um, and you can find our new business at LexelWatches.com as well. Wow. Well, Tim, Fire Nation is well where they can find the links to everything that we're talking about today at eofire.com. They can click on the podcast tab because you are hanging out in the archives or just enter Tim in the search bar and his show notes page will pop right up, Fire Nation. And Tim, thank you for being so generous with your time, your expertise and experience. Fire Nation salutes you. And we'll catch you on the flip side. Thanks, John. 
Fire Nation. Did you know that we hold live podcast workshops about Podcasters Paradise almost every week? Well, it's true. If you haven't attended one yet, or even if you just want to come back and see us again, head over to podcastersparadise.com and claim your spot today. During the webinar, you'll get to chat it up with other attendees in addition to checking out what Paradise is all about. One lucky attendee will even win a free lifetime membership. Come check out our free podcast workshop at podcastersparadise.com. Thank you so much for joining us today on Entrepreneur on Fire. Head on over to eofire.com for full recaps of every show, our amazing blog articles and resources, and just plain fun. Your entrepreneurial journey awaits, so prepare to ignite. 